Hey, I'm Mike Robinson, and I'm Ben's guest on Big Fat Five. What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. My guest this week is my good buddy and even gooder drummer, Mike Robinson. Mike is the quintessential working LA drummer who's played with so many rad artists and bands, most recently with the two powerhouses Oliver Tree and K-Flay. But let's add Joseph, Blame My Youth, Cannons, he subbed for me and he killed it, Delwater Gap, Morgan, and many more. He also runs the Instagram account at Food on Tour, which we talk about right off the bat. He's the first call drummer, and I loved, loved, loved this conversation. Please enjoy my chat with Mike Robinson about the five records that shaped him into the drummer he is today. All right, cheers. All right, so I'm here with Mike Robinson. Thanks for being on the show, dude. Thanks for having me. I feel like we've been talking about this for a while. I know, dude. I feel it's like year 17. You're finally on the show. So, (laughs) But speaking of shows, you also have your own podcast, your own um, online presence outside of just you as a drummer, which is called Food on Tour. Let's just lead off with that. Can you talk a little bit about what Food on Tour is? Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So it's a defunct podcast that you helped me get up and running. I feel like that's when we started talking about doing this because you were just like, oh, if you ever want to hop on mine we can kind of merge the two or whatever sure but uh you know covid i had a lot of downtime and i have since had a child and started working again so i don't really do the podcast anymore but i still like to use the instagram as like a resource for people to send me stuff that they love you know while they're on the road and just like restaurants that are close to venues walking distance or stuff that's like worth ubering whether it's a bar restaurant um something weird they found on like atlas obscura or something you know mostly food oriented but the occasional uh bar and weird rest stop um so yeah i just started doing that because i'm a fucking freak about food when i'm on tour that's all i do is just eat well Um, you're a freak about very uh uh comfort food I don't see yeah, a lot uh, of super healthy options on there. No, if I'm being no, no, honest. no, no. <laughs> yeah, there's, there are, there's rarely a salad on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I love, I am, I'm really big into like regional fast food, especially, you know, like stuff like Whataburger or like, um, someone just sent me some like small taco chain in, in Buffalo today or something, you know, just like weird stuff like that, that you you know, um, I don't know, just like burgers or whatever that you can't find everywhere. Portillo's is a favorite, you know, mm, Chicago. That's, it. that's okay. What What's the one in uh, Pittsburgh where they put the fries on the sandwich? Primani Brothers. Yeah, not that's a big, not a big Primani Brothers fan. Or See, Primati, I'm not either. Okay, and it. I've I, I got in a fight with my with my bandmates about this. To me, and I don't want this to be an anti. I love a, I love a food fight, dude. But I'm just like, dude, if if you're gonna. See, put the fries on there, season the fry. They were good fries, but to me, they're just, it's just mush on top of it, but the, the fries you know, themselves aren't good. There's a, there I said, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too far into food here, but I have a <laughs> very similar feeling to uh, San Diego, like California style burritos, you know, with the mm. French fries inside. Cause to me, it's just kind of like taking over the job of the beans, but the beans do it better because when I want a French fry, I want like a nice crispy mm-hmm. salted French fry. You fucking throw it in a burrito it's going to get all soggy and mushy. And I'm like, I'd rather just have beans. It's just weird French fries at that point. 
We'll see. This is a little preview of what you can get if you listen to Food on Tour or, or follow you on Instagram. So <laughs> just fights about beans and fries. But let's just, you know, much. like I was telling you before we logged on, I'm trying to make these shows more succinct and more just like to the point. So you're like, oh, Mike Robinson's top five. Click on it. You're getting right in, you know, into it. So let's just hop into your top five and then we'll learn about you as we go along. So <laughs> let's just <laughs> your first kiss, all that stuff. <laughs> Um, so number one is the album is the slip. The release here is 2018. The artist is nine inch nails. The song choice is discipline and Mr. Josh Freese. It was uh, during his tenure in the band. Yeah. So M- my favorite, choose? my favorite nine inch nails era. Okay. Which is, I think an unpopular opinion, but that era where they had, uh, Justin Meldel Johnson on bass and Josh Freese on drums incredible energy on i mean the records sound so much different than the earlier nine inch nails stuff and live it was just like incredible Mm -hmm. but um discipline i mean you turn it on and like you hear those drums right off the bat and they sound fucking crazy like the kick and snare sounds are alone he could play you know just four on the floor dance beat the whole time with those sounds and i'd be into it Mm -hmm. um there's something i was texting with dan bailey about this because he's great engineer great drummer and i was just like what is happening here you know and he i think he was able to kind of like reverse engineer some of it and gave me a a more like succinct answer than i would be able to give but there's just some crazy engineering happening on that on that song in particular the whole record sounds fucking cool but yeah i just love that song man so powerful where were you when you yeah sorry let Um, me let me do that over again where were you when you heard it (laughs) i'll keep that in uh yeah where who who introduced it to you um all that jazz um this one i think i was on tour with my old band empires like or like 2012 or something i was a little bit late on this record or i heard i'd heard the record but i never like dove into it and this was the song that got me to like go back and just like dive into this record really hard this song and there's another one on there called one million that same thing you hear josh like right off the fucking bat like it's first thing you hear is just him just crash snare kick you know just mm-hmm. bashing through it um yeah and my my friend tom he was playing guitar in that band and he's a massive nine inch nails fan he showed me the song sorry i have a cold right now which i told ben it's not covid so i'm a little stuffed up but uh well, yeah he showed me the all song. over the place and i feel fine so <laughs> it's okay dude <laughs> he showed me this song and um, this quickly became my favorite Nine Inch Nails record. Okay. Yeah. All right, man. Well, let's listen to Discipline. All right, let's listen to the beginning, but go give this some time. Skip to the bridge if you can. Sure. That part, I like it. He I, comes in there's early, a doesn't he? Trent things in here. Yeah, there's something. Um, I think it's maybe this next line. No, it's the one after this. That, like, such such a cool vocal performance too. Yeah. And this bass part, just, just so heavy. Dude. All right, yeah, go to the go to the bridge real quick because Josh does this. Like, he just, you know, the thing I really love about this is. You know, it's the same beat the whole song, and there's like this motion to it. Once he gets to the bridge, he breaks it down, and you know, it's just like the kick pattern or whatever. 
nothing else. And then he slowly brings in one element at a time. And it's just like such a cool evolution of the drum part. You know, it's just really mm -hmm. cool to hear it like that and use as a tool to just keep this song moving, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I love it as a drummer when you take the snare out and then when you bring it back in, it is just Dude. the most powerful yeah. fucking thing. How many times have There's, you seen them live? I've only seen them once live, but um, there's there are these uh, live like rehearsal videos from this era of the band from the Slip Tour, mm -hmm. and I think they do like five songs maybe. This is one of them. They do One Million. They do the song Echoplex, and those videos they're on YouTube. It's like a twenty minute thing. Fucking incredible. I watch them probably once a month my wife will like see me like get into the it's usually when i'm like bored with music or like i'm feeling kind of like oh like nothing's cool anymore and then i'll fucking go back to these videos and my wife's like oh god you're in a fucking mood you know <laughs> but <laughs> fine these, leave me alone I, dude these things i mean i swear i find so much inspiration in in the live videos from this like rehearsal thing they did it's just whenever i'm like just kind of feeling like bleak about things it's like mm -hmm. i go straight to these and you, it's with really your band, cool. Blame My Youth, you were able to play with The Offspring, which I believe yeah. um, Josh was playing with. Can you talk a little bit about, you You met him, right? Briefly, yeah. We did like three shows with them. Um, unreal band, man. Like just seeing them. I grew up loving that band, you know? Absolutely. So like playing with them was a fucking dream come true, let alone having Josh Fries on drums, who was, you know, up very much up there for me in terms of drummers. Um, so getting to watch him play these songs that I grew up loving and we got to hang out with them, you know, like noodles, the guitar players, fucking awesome. Um, and he was, he was just like very cool. He was kind of the most social of the bunch, you know, we would play a, we played a cover of skulls by the misfits and he would come watch every night. And I was just like, man, just got to get noodles on this, <laughs> you know, did you get ever him ask play him? guitar on it? Yeah, dude, uh, this was like one of my fucking like regret this but the, after the first day he watched and i was like yo if you want to if you want to play like grab sean's guitar like he's hardly even playing it on this song you know and he was like oh that'd be really fun and that was it and then that night he came up on stage like side stage while we were playing and i i was like fuck we didn't talk about it like do i like wave him all like what do i do right now you know but yeah. i can't like bring him on on a whim or like wing it or whatever but I wish we would have been more like clear about that and like kind of figured something out. But yeah, they were super cool. And Josh was really, really kind. And, you know, it's just kind of like meeting your heroes and they're like way fucking cooler than you could ever imagine. Just yeah, sends them through the roof for you, you know. I would just love to see Josh live and just like watch that left hand, how consistent it is. I mean, I don't know if there's anyone that's that consistent. Dude, you know, what? something I didn't really like realize I loved so much about his playing is uh, his right hand 
on some of these songs, man, like that right hand is just fucking controlling the whole thing. Like the whole vibe is coming from that right hand. It's really cool. There's some songs where he's just playing like so stiff and he'll, you know, kind of back off on some notes. Like, you know, if he's playing backbeats or whatever, he'll like kind of do the Mick Fleetwood thing where he's lifting off. And sometimes he'll just be playing kind of like a punk beat and just, change up his right hand pattern just a little bit you know if he's playing like really quick eighth notes every now and then he'll just switch to quarter notes and then go back to eighths and it's like just gives it this kind of breath in this space that i was not aware was ever really happening you know when i'm i'm hearing live recordings or seeing live videos or whatever but like being that close and seeing it was really fucking cool yeah yeah i would say uh i'm not gonna say who i think should be the new foo fighters drummer but when I was watching that 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 concert a few weeks ago, yeah. I would say when you close your eyes, when Josh was behind the kit, it was like they were playing to a backing track. He is a record live. It's insane. He's unreal, dude. He's unreal. Yeah. And it, it feels weird, like, you know, having played the same shows with him and stuff, I'm, I feel like even more of a dork for how much I'm, like, obsessed with his drumming. But, you know, I, I don't... I definitely find some nostalgia in in, in you know, these older records and older drummers that I grew up listening to, but I find so much more inspiration from modern drummers like Josh, you know, Just well, speaking like of super able, modern being drummers, able to walk on stage and, and see that, you know, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, well, speaking of super modern drummers, number two <laughs> is Ringo Starr. <laughs> uh, now the album is, uh, well, the album is, it was a single, I believe it was a B side to paperback writer. It was. Um, yeah. And the album is, uh, or the release year is 1966. The artist is the Beatles, of course. The song is Rain, and the drummer's Ringo. So, this is my favorite drum performance of all time. I think. Really. Um, and I didn't want to, you know, when you sent me like the form to like put in the five songs, I didn't want to like lead off with the Beatles because I was like, oh, that's a dorky thing to do. But <laughs> I mean, it's just undeniable, man. And so much of this kind maybe not this song in particular but this kind of playing has like seeped into my playing that i always refer to as meathead drumming Mm -hmm. um just like you know really big round kind of motions you know big round fills just straight around the kit that just fucking feel good and like make you want to you know this song doesn't make me want to punch a wall but there are plenty (laughs) of songs where it's just like super simple you know like eighth note sixteenth note fills around the kit or something that when you get to the end and they fucking crash on one, I just want to like punch through my car window, you know? Sure. Um, and this song I think is like the earliest memory I have of like just hearing these super simple fills orchestrated in such a cool, meaningful, impactful way, you know? Yeah. Um, and I realized while we were kind of like discussing songs previously that, I had never like looked into, I was like, oh fuck, what if like Paul played on this song or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I Googled it and apparently this is Ringo's favorite drum performance as well of, of himself. It's, it's one of his busiest too. <clears throat> it's so busy. Yeah. And yeah. it's like some stuff's kind of hanging over the bar and like, yep. it's just really, really cool. Yeah, that that it's like the second fill when he's going between the snare and the hi-hat, the ticket to ticket to dead, like the groupings yeah. of three. It's a very almost like unlike Ringo performance, which I can see you can be like, is this fucking Ringo? Yeah, I was um, just like, I was like, I, I would hate to get on a podcast and be like, this is my favorite drum performance ever. And it's Ringo and it's fucking Paul. Maybe it is. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe Ringo got duped here. Well, I mean, uh, or maybe it's Bernard Purdy and everyone just thinks. The same. But um, 
Well, I'll one-up you. So when Mark Giuliana, and I think whoever's listening, I edited this part out, but when Mark Giuliana was on the show, I played a few tracks from his career to kind of talk about, hey, tell a story about this. And I played a song that wasn't his. So uh, we can all do it. It was his wife. It was a song from his wife, and he played with her, and I assumed it was just a weird timeline of of things I messed up. But he was like, no, that's a great drum performance. Not me. (laughs) Who was it? Who was playing drums? I don't remember some some jazz cat in New York, you know, some amazing guy that I should know. But um, yeah. Anyways, so <laughs> let's listen to uh, Ringo and Rain. And yeah, this is like Fairchild, super you know limited drums, and so it sounds good as well. And but, this was a uh, Revolver era, just, era just to give anyone reference. Yep. Um, sonically, Revolver. All right, here we go. I'm gonna give it a little bit more juice this time. Yeah, juice it up, boy. Oh, I mean. Uh, yeah. Phil, and also favorite Paul McCartney performance for sure too. Mm. Bass playing is incredible. Yeah, it's a great bass line. That that Phil right Love there. Love that. This dude. That's like m- m- prime example of meathead drumming to me. Sure. So cool. And dude, this part. The bass. So cool. He's very aware of the downbeat because he'll do these fills, but then he almost pauses to get to the downbeat. He wants to make sure he's not rushing. Yeah, the, stuff like that just makes this feel like it's gotta be Ringo, you know? This feels so uninhibited. Oh, absolutely. My dad had, like, a, there was a compilation called Past Masters that was like a Beatles, mm. I think yeah. like a lot of B-sides and stuff. Um, and he had that on cassette, and that was where I first heard it. He showed me this, and he used to have this, like, Mazda, like, 80s, like, Mazda sports car, like an RX-7, I think is what it was. Mm. And in the summers, we would like drive around and, you know, just blast his cassette collection with the sunroof open, just drive around Akron where I grew up. And this song was all, I was always like, dad, put on rain, put on rain, put on rain. This was my, I think there's a lot of nostalgia attached to this song, but Mm -hmm. drumming is just incredible. And the song's amazing. There was something about this too, you know, sort of in that like uninhibited thing that we were just talking about like just like all these fills that are just so random and kind of bastardized sometimes i just feel like that's got to be ringo you know like that's like i feel like we're this is the purest form of ringo that we're getting and i've i'm just such a big ringo fan you know i think we're just no, hearing I, pure instinct from him on the, on this track i think it's i could be romanticizing circle. this i have no idea no but i think I think it's it's become cool again. I hope it's not cyclical to where we're to go back the other way, but it's cool to say, yeah, Ringo's one of the best. It's cool to say Lars is one of the best when like maybe yeah. 10 years ago, it wasn't cool to say that. And I don't care if it's cool or not because I, I love Lars and I love Ringo. But um, I think they're finally yeah, getting I, their appreciation universally. Totally. I think that that's kind of a, a thing in music just overall that 
I struggled with for a long time. And now I'm just like fully embracing all these things that I love that I was always kind of like, you know, maybe they're guilty pleasures or was a, I was a little embarrassed, you know, like I grew up loving emo music and in like 2012, whatever, 2012 to like 2016 or whatever, like that wasn't very cool to listen to. But now people are loving it again. And I, I'm kind of revisiting these, these records again, like that band say anything i've been listening to them a lot lately oh yeah i used to i used to love them they have that record is a real boy is a real boy yep drumming on that record's incredible the songs yeah. are fucking cool you know i'm just like man i don't know why i ever like denied myself of of like admitting that i love this shit you know and i think mm -hmm. the same thing kind of goes for lars yeah he seems like an asshole i don't know i have no idea never <laughs> met the guy but it seems yeah. like a weirdo but you can't deny like fucking sad but true are you kidding me yeah or fuel like, how can, is how one can, of my if, favorite drum parts to play along to. Period. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that a lot of people just you know went through the too cool phase, myself included, and um. You know, I the, the, I recently I think started embracing this sort of meathead side of my drumming. Yeah. You know, because of people like Ringo or Lars, um, that I really love, and that's what I feel most comfortable and feel best doing. You know. Yeah. I mean, I guess I shied away from emo for a while and like the, uh, I can't think of specific bands and I don't want to name any specific bands, but like the, that era where it became super polished and super mm -hmm. just produced, um, like say anything is the opposite of that. It's very real, yeah. very loose. Um, but, but sometimes I'll still, I'll want to listen to the most produced pop punk record from 2000. 10 yep. um and i'm just i want to hear a perfect palm mute over a perfectly played drum part and so but yeah, that dude. just makes me happy that day also, so fuck it you, uh, there was uh so many so many of those records and you know we're going off on an emo tangent here <laughs> but so many of those records like you know no one was trying to fucking get on the radio so they were like yeah like fucking play the shit out of these songs play whatever you want you know like there was so much creativity especially in the drumming on those records like mm -hmm. um circus survive is another band that i used to really really love when i was younger and revisiting those records there's one circus survive phil on that record juturna i think it came out in like 2006 or something like that um i rip it off all the time on like pop gigs and people are like oh what's that phil it's like this weird kind of like triplet -y do you know where it is thing. what song um, in fear and faith is the song and it's around like if you start at like 305 Okay. All right, I'm going to start about 250 uh, and then I'll fade it in. Okay, cool. Oh yeah. Love that. Yeah. I just not much I, to say. I'll, I'll throw some toms in there, you know, like I'll yeah. just kind of change it up a little bit. The amount of, I don't know, it's kind of jarring, I guess, in like a pop uh, context. Yeah. Um, especially, I'll, I feel like I always end up using it like when there's no drums and, you know, you're coming back into like a big last chorus or whatever mm -hmm. like that. I'll like enter with that fill. Sure. <laughs> and I'm just, I don't know. I'm just like, well, if only Circus Survive knew that I was ripping this shit off on like pop Dude, gigs. I rip off everything. I mean, I love ripping shit off. Yeah, that's all <laughs> I do. I don't think I've had one original idea since 2003. So 
Hey, y'all. I wanted to... (laughs) I can't say. I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by 5.5 snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his his you know where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum, and it was it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com, just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful, and he actually let me use it on an Eve Six tour, and I didn't keep it and I regretted it ever since then just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time and I just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye all right (laughs) Here is, I like how it went from Ringo to emo. That's a very easy I, transition. The, you know what? This is this is how my brain works, I think. Well, you know what? The, the song Rain is Let the Rain Fall Down. It's the most emo song of all time. So It's pretty emo. Yeah. Um, all right. So number three, the album is New Sacred Cow. The release here is 2003. The artist is Kenna. The song choice is Sunday After You, and it, there's no drummer, but it was programmed slash produced by Chad Hugo. So I think I'm pretty sure Chad Hugo produced this track. He did most of the record. I'm assuming he did this. I'm assuming the drums are his brainchild. The drum programming on this record is just fucking incredible. And Aaron Sterling played drums for Kenna live for a while, like way back in the day. Oh, okay. I remember um, watching like trying to find live videos on YouTube of this song. I think it was this song, maybe another one on this record, but you know, before I even knew who Aaron was, mm-hmm. I found these videos. I was like, who the fuck is this drummer? Why is he like sitting so high? You know, like, yeah, just like, why? it sounds so good. Like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> but yeah, this is a really cool one. I, I, there's a lot of, uh, Mike Robinson teen- teenage context in this one. <laughs> okay, let's just play it and then we'll talk about teenage uh, teenage Mikey. This is another one that um play a bit of the verse and then go to the bridge because okay total game changer in the bridge mm. 
There's a there's a little hi hat accent that makes it cool too. Yeah, there's some like cool sounds that just come in for a second on this that are really cool. Yeah, weird hi hat sounds that you don't hear till the end of a fill or something, you know. Yeah. And it's very Clyde Stubblefield. You know, it feels like a James Brown groove. Yep. It could be a sample. I have no idea. got a nine inch nails vibe to it yeah 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 I come all right let me hop to the bridge here yeah this fucking beat is so sick yeah aaron sterling would be would kill this yeah right <laughs> This whole section play if you don't mind. Don't mind at all. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. I'm, That's sick, dude. There's like n nothing that compare in terms of programming or whatever the fuck is going on there. I'm just like this, <laughs> yeah. this record is incredible. Where'd you, uh, who turned you on to this? So this record came out in 2003. I was 15 at the time and I was playing in, you know, like shitty pop punk bands in high school or whatever. And we yeah. used to play this bowling alley in Akron. Um, that my, that I didn't know him at the time, but he became a really good friend of mine. This guy, Eric Nagel, he was like 18 or 19 and he would organize these shows and get local bands and his band would always headline the show or whatever. He had this band called farewell. That was like, you know, pop punk royalty in Akron. <laughs> um, great name for a pop punk band. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like being in that scene as a kid, I like, we all kind of like looked up to farewell cause they were just, they were all really great musicians too. Like really great players. And, Eric saw me play because he invited my band to play a show and he came up to me after the show and he was like, Oh, you like, I really like, you know, really like the way you're playing. Like want to start this new project. Would you want to try and play drums? Like we can jam or whatever. So we started kind of like meeting up and playing. And then he was like, all right, if you want to be in this band, you need to learn this whole record verbatim new sacred cow. And I was like, okay, well this is, the fucking weirdest thing ever so how I much like, does it pay um learning this record <laughs> right i was just like so i i fucking did it i was like yeah i want to i want to play drums in this band so i i think i learned the whole record i certainly did not learn it verbatim but you know so he came over to my fucking parents house and my drum set at my parents house my parents were very cool still are very cool they let me set up my drum set in the living room i had free reign whenever i wanted you know whoa they had this like sick stereo system that I would just blast records through and play along to. I wouldn't even put headphones on. I would just like crank it. Shout so out to the Eric Robinsons, came over. Yeah. yeah, dude. Eric came over. He sat on my fucking parents' couch and I blasted through a new sacred cow in front of him. You know, however many songs, 10, 12, 13 songs, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and Eric is also the, after I did this, 
we started a band called Baby Bear. <laughs> um, and he was like, all right, if we're going to play shows, like you have to play to a click. And I was like, what the fuck? So I got the Vic Firth isolation headphones and a fucking Dr. Beat. And I was like playing pop punk shows to a click when I was like 15. Wow. Um, I think Eric probably caused me some traumatic <laughs> experiences that, um, you know, anxiety. I don't know. I'm st he's still a good friend of mine. I love Eric, but yeah. I mean, Gunnar Olsen he, plays with those huge cans. I don't, I think they're the VKs, uh, the GK ultra phones. Yeah. 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 So I think I use those in my he studio. He looks cool here, live. So yeah. <laughs> well, you know, 16 year old <laughs> kid, 15 year old kid playing pop punk shows in a shitty dive bar isn't as cool as Gunnar Olsen. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Eric really was a very big part of like me learning to listen to details in mm. in records that, you know, has become like an invaluable tool for me as a professional drummer, like picking up random gigs here and there, like learning shit on the fly. You know, Eric like really got me, got my ear going at a pretty young age for some weird shit like this, you know? Well, I that, that leads me to a question. Um, <laughs> So you just, you literally today, I think, got back from a, a stint with Oliver Tree and yeah. uh, you had to learn what, 17, I'm assuming, or 17 plus songs in like five days. Uh, it was a last minute yeah. call. And how do you differentiate between, like you were just saying, the details when you're listening to a track? Is it just the, the you talk with the MD or you just wait, you just learn the song and hoping that when he gets there, he's like, you don't have to be that precise. Like, how do you differentiate? I guess it's sort of different every gig, right? Like yeah. this one in particular, this guy, Amir Usman, incredible drummer, like way better yeah. drummer than I am, has been playing with Oliver for a very long time. Um, and Amir is kind of like stepping back for a minute. He is taking a break from the Oliver stuff. And he called me and sent me lots and lots of resources to learn this stuff as quickly as I could. So I was getting front of, front of house mixes. He took time in their production rehearsals to, you know, do like overhead video so I could see everything he was doing on SPD. Um, so I, I was just learning the set kind of, <clears throat> you know, word for word what he was doing on the show. Mm -hmm. um, and he kind of, again, he's an incredible drummer. So he gave me the, the easy route on some of these videos, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think for me, the biggest thing is listening, just listening to the songs, just knowing, you know, you don't want to be on stage and, and ever be unsure of what's about to happen in the song. Yeah. Um, as far as like, you know, I guess with the exception of like anyone sort of improving or whatever, which usually isn't going to happen on this sort of gig, but, yeah. um, yeah, I just never want to be like, Oh fuck, is it a chorus next? Is there a break? Am I in on the top of this verse? Am I out? You know, I never want to do that. So I just listen so fucking much, man. I don't chart anything out anymore. Mm -hmm. I just listen like crazy. Um, I'm sure my wife wants to murder me, but I'm just like <laughs> listening on my when I'm driving, I'm listening in the shower, I'm listening when I'm cooking dinner, I'm just listening non fucking stop. And the Oliver thing, I was on tour I was on tour with Blame My Youth when I got that call. So I didn't even have time to go home and play the songs. I had like a day at home. You know, I have a kid. So I was like, I'm not going to spend the whole day. I've been on tour for two and a half weeks already. I'm not going to spend the whole day at home, you know, learning these songs. I got to spend time with my kids. So I was like, pressure was really on, you know, just yeah. in terms of listening, knowing the songs. 
So between like my incessant neurotic listening and all of the help I got from Amir um, on this one, it made it pretty easy. And you you did the same thing for me when I filled in for you with cannons. It was like you sent me great footage of a show mm. that I could just go back and you know, I listened to the record. You sent me the set list. I listened to the records like a million fucking times. And then I would start watching the set you sent me mm -hmm. and just memorize your movements <laughs> to the best <laughs> of my ability. Well, let me, yeah, I do want to take the, the, I guess the opportunity to say you killed it. So yeah, did you, <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> I had to go on another gig. You sub for like five, six shows. You actually played some of the biggest shows of the band and I, cause I, that I couldn't make and you, you killed it. So thanks again. <laughs> thanks, but, dude. All right. Number four. The album is Clumsy. The release year is 1997. The artist is Our Lady Peace. The song choice is Superman's Dead. And the drummer is Jeremy Taggart. So take it away. Oh, man. I, I don't know. He The relationship between his right and left hand are just, you know, in, in terms of like being on hi-hat and snare. It's mm -hmm. just, he's got this fucking thing, man. He's just got such a cool vibe between the, his right and left hand. And um, I think that some might listen to this song and say that it's really busy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're wrong, but I think it's incredibly musical. Okay. You know, his, rela his relationship with what he's playing on drums to vocals is like, he's really, really listening, I think, to what the singer of this band is, is doing at all times. And if someone played these songs way more straight ahead, songs wouldn't be nearly as fucking cool. Just wouldn't I I probably wouldn't even be interested, honestly. Jeremy <laughs> uh, and makes this is actually this is actually the, the opening track. So this is the statement yeah. for the record. So let's just play it and then we can keep Listen to it. when the first bass drum hit comes in on this song. That's okay. another fucking badass thing about Jeremy. <laughs> okay. So cool. He does that left hand snare thing that 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 those two sixteenth notes like does that so often. That always reminds me of I think it's uh, Nookie by Lip Biscuit. Yeah. He just goes da da like one time and yeah, that yeah. intro. I'm thinking why. Lambs, dude, fucking badass. Another thing I rip off a lot. Depoom, depoom. Yeah, all the time. Which is a very uh, John Bonham thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Our Lady Peace is one of those bands that, I mean, I like that song a lot. I don't know much, and we were talking before we hopped on, I don't know much about them. I know the one song um, somewhere out there, but that's, uh, yeah. this, is, they have, this sounds um, nothing like that. Yeah, so that song is on Gravity, I think, the one you just mentioned. They have, Their first record ever is called Navid. It came out in 1994. And after that, they put out 
Clumsy, which is this song is on. The next record is called Happiness is Not a Fish. And the next record is called Spiritual Machines. Those three records, Clumsy, Happiness, and Spiritual Machines, amazing. Jeremy's got so many great drum performances. And uh, Gravity came out right after Spiritual Machines. Okay. Um, which is when they kind of went like, you know, more like pop radio. But these dudes were just like, they were all over alternative radio when I was a kid. I feel like they were in the soundtrack for something like Scream or I Know What You Did Last Summer, some, some shit like that. Um, Badge of Honor right I there. Yeah, I think my sister got this record. Um, she's a few years older than me, and she got some stuff. I don't think she liked this record. And I, I took it, um, and I just became like obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with this record. And Jeremy's just such a—you know, it's him right away. You know, no one plays like that—that that busy and so musical at the same time. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe some people would be like, "No, you're crazy." Like. It's just busy drumming, but I just find it so musical. I don't think that's, I guess I'm with you. I don't think that sounded busy. I thought it was still, um, didn't he's doing so much though. Like yeah. I'm imagining like walking into a fucking gig and playing like that. Like people would be like, shut the fuck up, Mike. <laughs> but like, he's just crushing. And you know, again, I, I just like try and imagine these songs with someone else playing drums. And now they, they, Jeremy's not in the band anymore, but, um, you know, I just don't think these songs would work with, with another drummer. I just mm -hmm. don't think they would work. I mean, that's what every drummer hopes that someone says about their band. You know, yeah, that's like, yeah, that's yeah. the apex right. of either totally people that don't play drums, air drum to your drum parts in the car on the steering wheel, or someone says that the band would be the same without you. If I get yeah. those two, I can clock off. His, his playing, just all of his choices are just so, so specific. Yeah. I was going to say the only thing I inherited from my sister music wise was, I believe, a Chumba Wumba cassette. Chumba Wumba is a pretty, I don't know if you got into them ever. They're a pretty fucking deep band. I, they're like tied in. They're in like the crass scene. They're like very um, politically active. And I, I think Tub Thumping was like a, a fluke. You know, I think they it was like kind of a joke because the rest of that record is like pretty weird. Yeah. Um, They're an interesting band. <laughs> it's funny. Now we're talking about Chumba Wumba on here, but... <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, I think that was as big of a jump from Ringo to emo as Our Lady Peace to Chumba Wumba. <laughs> yeah, Ringo to Circa Survive. Um, yeah, my I I think I, I got some cool records out of stuff my sister didn't really get into that she bought. Like o Oasis is they're one of my favorite bands of all time, um, and I, she got Morning Glory, and I don't think she was really into it. You know, she wanted she liked Wonderwall. <laughs> Who gets and, Morning Glory and goes, not my thing. I well, she was like, it. you know, she wanted to listen to NSYNC or whatever, but yeah. I was just like, oh, this is cool. I'll, I'll take this one. But um, yeah, I, my sister had some pretty funny music taste growing up. She it was a lot of boy band stuff. So I was like, you know, I would take the Bush records or whatever that were lying around. <laughs> Dude, the self-titled NSYNC record. I don't know if it's self-titled, but it was the the one with all the major, the, the first the, one with the hits on yeah, it, the yeah, Blue the Flame. white one or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, that was my third record. It was Marilyn Manson, the one where he has like the onesie suit on, Americana yeah. by The Offspring, and then Blue Flame in Sync. Dude. And that's who funny, I am today. Uh, Amer Americana note. I remember for Christmas one year, my parents bought me a pair of Jinkos, a Bad Religion CD, and Americana by The Offspring. <laughs> By the way, are those Jinkos you're wearing on stage with Oliver Tree, or are those just so they're like custom? I guess. I I don't know. I think they're custom, but they're like Oliver Tree branded 
jeans like there's a big oliver tree tag on the back you know at the bottom of the pocket that goes down to your fucking ankle or whatever yeah and same with the jacket it's like all oliver tree branded shit i was gonna ask too so ari is that the drummer you said amir amir did amir tell you that you were gonna have to take your shirt off mid-show or is that no so that was actually that was a recent development okay um me and casey the keyboard player and he plays guitar as well um i think it was in montreal it was like really fucking hot and casey kept joking about how he was gonna take his i think the ac was broken or something in there he was like oh i'm just gonna take my jacket off and we don't wear anything under the jackets because it's like a fucking ski jacket you know yeah i can't imagine how you do that yeah yeah we were just joking about that before the show then we get on stage oliver like takes his jacket and his jinkos off and he's got this other outfit underneath it you know this happens every night Mm -hmm. and i look over and casey's unzipping and i was just like all right fuck it i'll do it too so we did that and then last night at life is beautiful we were just like should we go shirtless again and we did it it's pretty fun you know get the dad bot out very liberating yes i've never played a show shirtless in my life (laughs) does it feel good it felt great you know but i mean it's it's a you know it's way less tough than i thought it would be being in like jinkos and a bowl cut wig wearing like red (laughs) children's sunglasses well, people can go check out the video of that uh, <laughs> on your Instagram, which is just Mike Robinson. It'll be linked in the show notes. But all right. Number five, last one, is the album Zeppelin 2. The release here is 1969. The artist is Led Zeppelin. And the song choice is Bring It On Home. And Bonzo's the drummer. So yeah. Yeah. Why'd you choose this guy? I think um, I was having some some sort of internal battle being like, you can't pick Ringo and Bonham. Like, it's so cheesy, but... Hell yeah, you can. Um, I felt a little better about this one because it's kind of a deep cut, which is, you know, <laughs> I'm like, at this point, I'm, at this era of Zeppelin, I'm just like, what even is a Zeppelin song? They're all just fucking blues songs, pretty much, you know? Mm. This is a Sonny Boy Williamson song um, that I guess they, quote-unquote, adapted, whatever that means. Yeah, but, they're good at that. Um, yeah, they are. <laughs> They, uh, this song was another one that my dad and I would listen to a lot in his little Mazda sports car. And I think it was the first time I really like started considering orchestration on a drum kit because there's this like woodblock thing or something that's happening on the, I think it's the right side. Um, you can just kind of hear this pattern going on the whole time through the verses, you know, it's like this syncopated pattern Mm -hmm. and then in the choruses or in the in that like riff section like the main riff it goes to quarter notes and you know maybe they'll change it up every now and then but i remember noticing that and being like oh like can i play that and the and the beat at the same time you know like can i play the whole thing yeah and i'm sure i did a terrible job at it as like 10 year old mike or whatever it was but um yeah, I remember that really, really standing out to me. Like, I listened to the song so many times and then finally realized there was this thing happening, you know, on one side that I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and I just started thinking about, like, can I do all of this, you know, which sort of goes back to that tool of, like, listening, you know, that I was talking about with that Kenna song. Is like, mm-hmm. I didn't realize how important that would be now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's same sort of mindset, like especially in pop music now or something with all the electronics that we as drummers have to learn to integrate into the set. You're like, okay, how can I do all of this at once? How can I fucking play a solid, great feeling groove and also get all these intricate 
uh, little like nuances that make the song, you know, special to the artist, whoever it is. Um, and this is a very simple version of that, I think, you know. Well, if you ever figure out how to actually do that, let me know, because I still haven't figured it out. I'll never fucking know, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> My God. All right, well, here's, here's Bring It On Home. Nice, long, uh, bluesy intro. I don't know. It's like a minute or something until drums even come in. Drummers need to listen to no drums every once in a while, okay? I love I love no drums. <laughs> I'll bring up secondhand serenade then. We'll we'll pivot to that. <laughs> Is that Robert on harmonica? I don't know who's doing what, but Robert Plants, he sounds fucking crazy on this. <laughs> his, he's like phonetically trying to mimic the harmonica and like his delivery. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, I could listen to this. This is for hours. Yeah. Sounds like it's like a lisp. Like, is that him? I don't know. It's like, was it Paul? Did Paul play Raid? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Is this Paul McCartney singing right now? conservative with those craft symbols <laughs> no i think the the wood block thing i was talking about or is it a cowbell i can't even you can't even hear it well enough well at least you can feel better that it's it sounds like it's an overdub yeah totally so at least I you mean, can't, it definitely is, but to. I was like, you know, I would play along these records all the time, and I was like, I, sure. I gotta do it. I gotta do it all. Absolutely. Bring it back to me, baby. It straightens out there. Yep. Fucking cool. Yeah, I hear a little tone to it, so I assume it's a cowbell, and also with like, yeah. you know, Led Zeppelin, the record, he uses cowbell, so I... Yeah, yeah. He's basically mimicking the riff. He's kind of going along with the riff, yep. yeah. I love that, too. Yeah, so cool. John Bonham was a meathead, dude. Biggest meathead there was. He was the original meathead. Yeah, for sure. Like that, boom, boom. I love that shit, dude. That's so powerful. 
there there was so much of my like early childhood in drumming that you know like i think that song good times bad times probably taught me how to play like double strokes on on bass drum you know absolutely like with my right foot like i would just sit there for hours and try and fucking figure that out had probably had the worst bass drum pedal of all time and was doing it in the worst way possible but i would just sit there and sit there and sit there and try and fucking do this shit i think there's a lot of things that like i feel cheesy sort of loving you know like oh you're a drummer of course you love john bonham but i don't like there was just i just have so many early early memories of learning music and it being just zeppelin songs i think just because of what my parents were listening to you know mm -hmm. um and the drums obviously i think to anyone music musician or not stand out so it's just like you know embrace what you love i love nerding out over drummers but i think for me the biggest thing is the song i love mm -hmm. i love songs so much more than i love drums yep and this song is just fucking great it just feel it and you know that space in the beginning where they're doing the kind of like the blues version i would assume is probably more similar to the original version of the song and then they mm -hmm. go into their zeppelin-esque thing yeah um that space just makes it all hit so hard i remember being a kid like i could not wait until drums would come in and i'd sit there just like waiting waiting you know like wanting to fast forward on the cassette player or whatever and like just like trying to chill myself out just be like wait it's gonna be even better you know yeah um but yeah i just i love songs so much more than i love drumming <laughs> i know that's why i it's i don't want to say it's hard for this podcast to always geek out in the drum like when when i reach out to people and they're like i, I mean i won't call some people out but they've kind of like been averse to getting on the show because they're like i'm not a drummer's drummer and i'm like dude i don't need you to be a drummer's drummer i would rather talk about the song i'd rather talk about how you incorporate you what you do into the overall mix i don't need to talk about stickings or blah 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 um because that's not what makes me that's not what bobs my head you know yeah i don't yeah totally i want something to make me want to punch through a wall someone doing some i i love watching you know the crazy over the top like wild ass drumming i love watching that stuff on youtube you know i'll fucking mm -hmm. nerd out on instagram for way too long watching that shit but my favorite thing ever i could not do without songs that just make me want to punch through a fucking wall <laughs> and sorry you know your double paradiddles aren't doing that for me <laughs> <laughs> but a double double paradiddle now that <laughs> well that's that, that's your top five man um so I do want to allow you to, are you still doing remote recordings for people? I know you um, were going to be on tour. You're not, you're going to be home for, you know, the immediate future. If people want to reach out to you, I know mostly drummers listen to this. So I'm not necessarily thinking that a lot of them are going to reach out to get you record drums on their stuff. But if people do want to get, uh, reach out to you and all that jazz, where can they find you? And then I'll let you have a nice, a nice Saturday evening with your family. Yeah, well, my kid's in bed, so I'm just going to go probably watch love island or something you're probably gonna go watch that nine inch nails rehearsal video probably my wife's gonna be like oh, fuck off um <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm i'm still doing remote stuff you know i i think the majority of my work is in the live realm you know i'm not doing a ton of remote recording here but it's i have a little space here it sounds pretty cool um i don't know i feel like the best i just stay in contact with everyone in the music world for the most part aside from really close friends just on instagram you know you know yeah. just mike robinson on instagram um and then i know blame my youth is going to be touring at the top of next year so you know come see a show <laughs> hopefully maybe i'll do some more shows with oliver yeah 
K-Flay, unfortunately, just had to cancel a whole mess of shows. Sending lots of love to her, but she's having some health issues right now that aren't great. Um, so yeah, I'll be home for a while. It'd be kind of nice. Wally will like that. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's into it. He likes it. <laughs> Took him to Disneyland the other day. Fucking lost his mind. And he, dude, I played him. I've actually been playing him a lot of Led Zeppelin this week because of, you know, us talking about this stuff and seeing him react to it. I'm just like, yeah, this shit is like, it's like primal, you know? Oh yeah. No, they're, they're a good barometer of like a good groove. Totally. Same. He also lost his fucking mind to Our Lady Peace. Really? Well, there you go. He my, is your son. My wife hates Our Lady Peace, so she was <laughs> pissed. But um, What yeah, is her favorite I, band? You, Put her on blast. Oh, God. I don't even know what her favorite band is. See? She doesn't, you can't be a hater she if you don't know yourself. She, well, my wife and I will go down some emo rabbit holes for sure. Okay. She grew up in that scene. You know, like, we go down those rabbit holes pretty deep sometimes you know just like going through like weird ass like i don't know taking back sunday demos or something you yeah know? yeah receiving end of sirens or something yeah yeah wow those dudes yeah she does not like our she hates our lady peace so much that it made it into our wedding vows that she will listen <laughs> really? to our lady peace for me <laughs> all right dude well i'll let you go man um but i'll talk to you later thanks so much for having me dude i appreciate it yeah And that's the show. If you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, so it'll get bigger and better, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for Big Fat Snare Drum and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's amazing, so go check that out at Isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye. Say, hey, this is Mike Robinson, and I'm Ben's guest on Big Fat Five. That's all it is, and then yeah. I'll just take that and put that at the beginning. So whenever you're ready, I'll even look away. Cool. I'll look over here. Hey, I'm Mike Robinson, and I'm Ben's guest on Big Fat Five. Dude, are you kidding that? me? You're my new co-host. <laughs> But, Dude, I I think uh, the Oliver gig has gotten me a little more comfortable with doing shit on the spot. Like, the, like, dude, last night I had to chase a child off the stage. What? How does that work? <laughs> like a six-year-old. He uh, There's this kid who's on Instagram. I think his name is Minnie Oliver. And he's got the fucking... He's got, like, the real haircut, like a real ball cut. And he's got the full outfit. And he... Oliver invites him to search. He's like a massive Oliver fan and Oliver will invite him to shows um, whenever he's like coming out or whatever. And he lets him sort of introduce him. So he'll walk out on stage and be like, I'm the real Oliver tree. That guy over there sucks. You're all here to see me, whatever. And so last night, Oliver had me like chase him off the stage. <laughs> so he like went out on stage, you know, like we had a sick set, uh, slot and life is beautiful. It was like 9, 15 PM or something. This kid walked out on stage in front of however many fucking people, did not even hesitate, and then let some strange 34-year-old man chase him off the stage. <laughs> <laughs>